Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. And I thought I'd talk a bit about corporate actions today because we had a, a question on our live YouTube show last, I think it was last week, um, regarding corporate actions. And I know there's been a little bit more activity um, on this year in terms of corporate actions, but a lot of people get confused about what they are and what to do with them, whether it's a, a takeover. Uh, which we've had more recent times in in Caltex. I've had a few questions around Caltex because uh, a Canadian-based company has you know, made a bid to take it over, and obviously Caltex shares um, shot up on that. We've also had a couple of takeover bids on Vocus Group um, as well. So that always brings up questions from people, especially um, people that are sort of new to the market and not really sure how all this sort of stuff works. But uh, there's lots of different things that come happen with the, the share market. You can have um, stock splits or uh, in terms of that. You've got obviously dividends is the normal one that you would normally hear about, getting paid dividends. And we'll talk a little bit about that as, as we go through this podcast. But you also have rights issues. You have mergers. You also have acquisitions like the one to, to do with Caltech. So sometimes you'll get a merger. Sometimes you'll get an acquisition. So we'll talk a little bit about, about that. And we've also got um, companies splitting out companies. Um, that also happens quite regularly too. So let's have a look at uh, some of the more common ones. And obviously dividends uh, or dividends being paid is a corporate action because uh, you can actually have dividends in the form of cash. So if you own a company, you as a shareholder of the company, you need to or you have the right to receive a percentage of the profits. Um, as income coming back to you or returning some of your capital. That's sort of like a capital return in, uh, in terms of you know, if you, let's say you purchase a share for $10 and they're paying a dividend yield of 4%, well then you would get 4% in theory of $10. Now, as the share goes up in value, um, if your dividend, the amount the dividend is paid in dollar terms doesn't change, your dividend yield still stays at that 4%, but other people, let's say that the share goes to $20 in price, and it's still paying the same dollar amount. So let's say, let's let's make it round numbers. So let's say it pays 10% on $10, that's a dollar. If the share goes up to $20 and it still pays $1 dividend, that's only 5% now. So that's what I mean by people who buy at a, the share at a higher price, they'll be getting a different dividend than you will be if you bought in a little bit earlier. So so that's a pretty common one. Uh, sometimes you'll also get the opportunity to do dividend reinvesting, and I've been asked about that 
a couple of times in the last few weeks. Now, I don't dividend reinvesting. Oh, sorry, I don't do dividend re- I don't necessarily, um, I don't partake in dividend reinvestment schemes. And I know Janine explained that a little bit on our live show a couple of weeks ago. Why? And part of the reason is, is um, you want to be able to, to me, it's about get the cash into the door, put it in your bank account with the rest of your capital for investing, and then invest it in something else at the right time. Getting more shares in another company, yes, you can get them sometimes at a what they call a volume weighted average price or VWAP. You might hear it, so the volume weighted average price, and it could be slightly lower, you know, maybe five percent, ten percent lower than the current stock price. But when you do dividend reinvesting schemes, it tends to dilute a little bit of the share. Uh, because there's more shares going out. Um, but it's more about your paperwork too, is if when you go to sell those shares, you, if you've got multiple different parcels of shares at different purchase pricing because of that dividend reinvesting, it can push your accounting fees right through the roof because they've all got to be calculated in as for capital gains tax in multiple different parcels rather than just one. So just be a little bit careful. But, but normally, as I said, normally it's dividend yield. Um, is is the most popular corporate action. Uh, Some companies have fully franked, which means the tax is paid 100% um, by a company tax rate at 30 cents in the dollar before it comes to you, or in theory, 30 cents in the dollar before it comes to you. So it comes tax paid, and that's why you get a franking credit. That's why there was a big hoo-ha this year about franking credits and the government, and you know, if Labor got in, there would be different issues around the franking credits and everything else. So, um, But franking credits are, um, for people who are retired on lower incomes, they, they can be quite good or quite beneficial to them. So let's go to a couple of other things. Another one, another common one is a stock split. Now we've seen stock splits in a, in a few different companies. And what that means, a stock split, is you might have a stock in Australia. When stocks get over $20, $30, Australians tend to think they start to get too expensive. And when they're over $50, they think they're very expensive. And when they get to a dollar, they think that's downright criminal that the stock's at $100. But it's relative. It's irrelevant what the price of the stock is, is what it valued at is the important thing. However, that said, Australians have this cheap mentality that if it's under $10, it's got to be good. And so what you'll see sometimes is a stock as it gets over $20 or maybe even $50 or $60, they have what's known as a stock split where you might get, let's say, a two for one. So let's say you have a thousand shares in ABC share and they're now $50 at that. And so you have a thousand shares at $50 in ABC shares. Let's say they have a two for one. Now you'll have 2000 shares, but now they're only worth $25. Same dollar figure in the end. So if I multiply 1,000 by 50, I get $50,000. But if I multiply 2,000 by 25, I still get $50,000. So you still got the same amount of value there. You just have twice as much shares with the share price being halved. So that's a two for one. Um, generally, they do two for ones uh, or stock splits. So they basically give you double the amount of shares and half the price. That's pretty simple calculation in terms of what they call stock splits. So um, there's a little bit of all sorts of different things, but most of the time they do that the stock splits to increase liquidity in the trading of that share. So as I said, as as the share price gets higher in Australia, a lot less Australians will actually go and buy them, especially those who are largely uneducated. It's constant for me. I mean, I've been teaching people to trade for more than two decades, probably two and a half decades now, and helping investors. And it this still astounds me that people today still ask me or say to me, oh, that stock's expensive because it's $50. 
and it has nothing to do with whether whether the what the price of the share is trading at today has absolutely nothing to do with it's it's expensive until you start to compare it to what it's actually worth and i keep saying that to people is a 50 dollars stock might be dirt cheap if it's worth 150 dollars but if it's worth $25, it's incredibly expensive. So it's about what are you comparing the price to? It's not like buying, you know, looking at one car yard and going to another one and they've got exactly the same car, same colour, same same features, same everything. And one's a higher price than the other. You know which one's cheap and which one's expensive, but you can't do that with the stock. It's completely different. So be careful about that. But generally when they do a stock split, it's more to increase um, the liquidity in the trading of that share. So, so as I said, so stock splits can be really good. Stock splits can be really good in terms of increasing that, as I said, that turnover, but also can increase the. It, it might see the stock jump. So it's not a bad thing. It's actually generally a good thing because the more liquidity, the more price may move up with you. So you do have a stock that goes into a, a stock split that's um would be perfectly fine. Um, but you also get the opposite is you get a they could do the opposite where they actually um, do issues where they do the opposite where they give you less shares and make them more, more expensive but that generally doesn't happen too often anyway but then you get rights issues and a rights issue is really um, it's just offering you additional new shares um, to an existing shareholder so if you're an existing shareholder you might get a rights issue that says to you you have the right to get more shares it's like an IPO but they're giving it to or initial public offering for those you're not sure what I just said then so instead of being like a float which is an initial public offering which is another pretty popular corporate action where a company comes onto the exchange but a rights issue is about a way of raising more capital from their existing shareholder so instead of going to the market the broader market and saying hey here's some shares we want to offer these to you what they're doing for you as a shareholder is giving your rights issue to say well at a point in the time you can actually um, get some more shock from us and it could be very much cheaper than what's on the marketplace instead of saying let's say ten dollars for the share today they may offer it to you for eight dollars fifty or something or nine dollars so you get a you know, ten or fifteen percent discount on the stock price on that VWAP or that volume weighted average price over a period of time. They also may give you some incentives like extra tax credits or some other thing that might entice you to get into it. Because what they're doing is they're, they're hopeful because you're an investor already in their company that you would automatically get, they would do an easier capital raising by having a rights issue from there. But uh, it is something that does happen quite regularly. We had one, uh, I was only asked, somebody asked about one last week, as I said. So it's pretty common from that point of view. There are also mergers and acquisition. Now, as I said, the or the acquisition was uh, Caltex that was uh, offered the other week uh, that a, the Canadian company was trying to take over Caltex. Now, right at this point in time, the board hasn't ratified that. So a couple of things happen. A company might come out and say, we want to take over your whole company. Okay, so here's X dollars per share. Now the board looks at the company and says, well, what is the value? Because the board's job is to get the maximum amount of value out of those shares for you, the shareholder, because you are the one that owns a percentage of that company. So their job is to get you the best price. If they don't think the price offered is worthwhile, then they'll tell you pretty quickly. Generally, boards tell you about whether they're going to accept or reject 
an offer within days. They 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 already know what's happening. That they, the company's looking at taking them over. There may have been a request sent to the company for information from it, so that the, an offer can be made. So that might be on the table, so people know that an offer might be coming. Uh, and this was generally the case with Vocus that I was talking about a couple of times this year. There's been a a an offer on the table for Vocus, and it sure saw the shares rise very quickly uh, and then fall just as quickly when it was rejected by the board. So you do get those um, acquisition type offerings. Every year you'll see some where you might be in a stock. You might It might be trending up nicely and you're thinking, well, this is really, really nice. And all of a sudden it jumps 10 or 15 or 20% because somebody's made an acquisition. Now, what generally we do in those times is when I'm looking at those stocks, if I'm actually owning ones, like we did own Caltex, we bought it probably about four weeks before the offer. And we didn't know there was an offer happening on the table. It just looked good to us. We wanted to buy it. Our rules were met. We went in to buy it and an offer went up 25% a few weeks later. That's happened to us numerous times where we've bought into a stock based on our rules only to see this sort of thing happening. Now, what we do with those is when the offer happens, we just wait for a minute. We wait for what the board's saying. If the board rejects it, um, then we're looking at in two, two terms. Either there's going to be the company come back with a higher offer or what happens is, is the share floats back to where it was roughly before. So with Caltex in the term of that, it didn't. The board said no um, to it, but it's, the price still held up. So that says, and they were expecting a higher bid because the board did actually say that the offering was close to where they would deem it should be. And that's meant the, the share price has held up. So what goes on there is, um, you know, you can wait, if you like, for a hopefully a bit slightly better bid from that company. If another company is actually interested as well, you might get a second company coming in and bid more for the company being taken over. So sometimes you get that where there's almost, I won't say a bidding war between two takeover companies wanting to take over a company. But that does happen from time to time. But generally, generally, if the board rejects it, we tend not to sell um, from that point of view. But if they do accept it, we generally sell out pretty quickly. Because once it, once they've sold, once the board's accepted accepted the offer, let's say for example, we'll keep using ten dollars. Let's say there's uh, you've owned the share, you've bought it at seven dollars. It's now at ten dollars. Uh, because a takeover bid's happened, it's gone up, you know, 30, 40% uh, in that particular time. The board comes out and said, yeah, we're happy with that. But this could take, that movement from that $10 could take months to sort out. So the share price is not going to go anywhere if the offer was at $10. Share price is not going to go up, it's not going to go down, it's just going to go sideways for a long period of time until all the corporate action washes out depending on whether you want to get shares in the new company or whether they're going to pay you out in cash or how it's all deemed to be taking over your shares because um, it can be scripted can mean script meaning shares in the new company or the new entity uh, or the one that companies is taking it over or it may be just a cash thing but that could take months so we just get out of it sell it on the exchange take our money and run and go invest it somewhere else rather than wait a period of time but if the board rejects it and there's generally a good reason why they've rejected it and quite often we'll actually hang on to the share because we've liked it in the first place. It's risen reasonably well. Yes, it might float back closer to the price we paid for it, but that we, we, we liked it already. And that's what I'm talking about. Our technical and fundamental analysis said we like this stock. Uh, and so we stick with our, our basis of what we're actually doing there. So it's really with those corporate actions when terming 
um, takeovers. They're a little bit harder for you, for, for most people to understand because it's getting into the documentation of what's going on with the company, why they're being taken over, how it all works. The last one that I really wanted to talk about is is when companies spin off companies. Now we've seen, we had the Coles and Meyer were together. Okay, now they're both separate companies again. We have, we've had Meyer trading on its own, we had Coles trading on its own, then we had mergers. When we had Coles Meyer, now we're back to having Coles and Meyer as separate companies. We've had Wes Farmer's own um, companies. We've had them splitting off different entities, but probably some ones that I would suggest we've had that are more popular, well, sorry, well-known split-offs is BHP split off one still many, many years ago. They also split off Blusco still many, many years ago. So you can see companies that are doing really well now that were part of a bigger co- uh, a company as well. So you do get that from time to time where they split companies off. Now, obviously Coles um, is doing much better. Now, if you look at the chart of Coles, you can see there's not a lot of data on it, but we all know Coles has been trading for so long it's not funny, but it is a newer formed entity being split off from a larger entity um, and that's really what they are but sometimes you'll get that with companies that you own that they'll split off some of it and what happens in those situations for example let's say there's um, shares ABC and uh, they split off CDF okay as part of it now let's say ABC was valued at ten dollars and ABC the the remaining the remaining entity there that's worth about 60% 60% of it and the other 40% was CDE. So CBE will be trading at about 40% of what the merged, the actual full company's price was, so $4, um, and ABC would be trading at $6 when they split off. Uh, and generally the reason why companies split off another company is they see value in there somewhere to get rid of that because they can realise when you're running multiple divisions, sometimes that diversifying your attention can be detrimental to the unit as a whole whereas if they split off one uh, they can actually focus on a much more leaner meaner type of company that can actually expand faster quicker better etc uh, etc et so there's all those sorts of different reasons why they would split off a company but then are they you as a shareholder of the original entity now have shares in two separate companies so you'll have two shares rather than one um, and generally that's also a good sign. We've seen that with Coles has done very, very well since it was demerged um, or split off, as they say. Um, that, and and if, if you look at Blue Scope Steel, One Scope Steel, you'd know they've done very, very well over the last 10 or 15, 20 years since they were split off from BHP, as, done, as has BHP. So it can be a very good thing for you as a shareholder to have these extra companies or these extra shares in there. The only challenge you have a little bit is depending on the shareholding that you might have. So sometimes the shareholding may be very small and you might want to top those up to more of a better position size. Because when you get stock splits and rights issues and all sorts of stuff, it can muck around with your position sizing on your portfolio. So anybody who's read my book, you'll understand what I talk about in terms of position sizing. And you'll understand that uh, what you need to do to readjust it. So sometimes you may need to top up uh, your position sizing with cash in terms of just to balance it out a little bit better. But it's not essential because uh, end of the day, you bought the stock as part of one bigger unit. But hopefully you're getting a little bit of an idea of these corporate actions and what they're about. And generally, they're not, not, they're not something to be scared of. There's something to be embraced because, again, they're going to happen all the time. It's not something that you're going to get 
um, once in a blue moon. You'll see corporate actions happening every single year, um, and it may happen to you this year. It may not, but generally, you know, you'll see. Yeah, over a few period of five years, you'll have a few different corporate actions that'll go, come in via email or or mail, a physical snail mail as they call it nowadays. Uh, you'll get them coming in, offering all sorts of different things, whether it's takeovers, rights issues, you name it, it might happen. So but, uh, it pays to get on and just have a read of the detail and have a look between the lines and see whether that's something for you. It's probably even more so if it's things like stock splits and, um, you know, um, two for one deals and um, demerges those sorts of things they're generally in your favor but if it's asking you to pay more money like in a rights issue really do have a close look at it because quite often we will reject them as investment managers we do get a few coming through but uh, probably she's well, at a guess eight to nine out of ten we reject um, not because we don't think they're okay but we just don't think they're good enough for us to take up or for us to take up for our clients where there's better things to do with the money and that's really why so it does pay to read all the documentation properly and have a really good think about it in terms of yourself um, not just because you're getting offered it but whether it's really a good thing for you to do so hopefully you've enjoyed my podcast today on corporate actions as I said they can be a little bit confusing a little bit scary at times but they don't need to be. Um, this probably, we, well, not this probably, this is my last podcast for 2019. So thanks for listening. It's been really enjoyable going along here. And, and, and as always, if you want me to talk about something um, or do a podcast on something, always happy to have some suggestions. You know, you can send your uh, questions or your topics through to info@wealthwithin.com.au, And I'm always happy to bring up and talk about different things. But hopefully you've had an absolutely wonderful 2019 and you've got some big plans for 2020 because I think the market's going to be really nice Uh, and for those people who are knowledgeable you will reap the rewards through into 2020 but uh, I wish you all the best for Christmas and uh, hope you have a fantastic time with your family and friends that Santa gives you everything you like and that you have an even better 2020 because I know everything in here is you know, we're just going to have a blast in 2020. There's so many things that's going to happen in here, and we see a huge 2020 um, both for our business and personally. Um, and we're really excited to get into 2020, and hope you are too. But again, have a happy and safe Christmas, and we look forward to catching up with you in 2020. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.